It's The Right Hook with George Hook on a Tuesday, which means Moncom again joins me to talk travel. Moncom, welcome to the programme. Thank you, George. Happy Australia Day. Yes, indeed. And to you too. But it is also India's Republic Day. Mm-hmm. And to my shame, I've never in my life been in Australia, but I know I have spent a lot of time in India, in every state in India. Have you really? Yeah, and we over... Is the... this because you're a kind of kind of barefoot, walking along kind of fella in in uh, yellow robes? Yes, because in a previous life, I was sort of lost and misdirected and looking for <laughs> ashrams and spirituality. I spent far too much time for my own mental health and my career in India. Look of her... Uh, Odd. Um, Sanctuary, yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent a lot of time. I'd like to do that, really. I Mm -hmm. think I'm searching for that. It didn't do my career any good. It's not great to put down on your CVs two years lost in the Himalayas in a cave. But uh, (laughs) where are we going? The Himalayas in a cave? No, no. Do you remember our first time we looked at India? We looked at the tea stations, the hill stations. Yeah. uh, And then we looked at last time we looked at Delhi and how you can now get around it using the underground, using the metro. This time we're going to the very southernmost state, which is Kerala, uh, which is basically, I mean, Tamil Nadu and Kerala, you know, India is a long sort of triangle, you could almost. And that bottom piece of triangle is half of it, the eastern half, more or less Tamil Nadu, the western strip is Kerala. Beautiful beaches. Formerly connected, probably uh, thousands of years ago with Mauritius, apparently. Oh, really? I've never been to Mauritius, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you see, they were all despise islands. These were all areas which became phenomenally wealthy just because there was so much because ginger was being grown there, because cloves, because cardamom, because gold. So, And there is still that allure. There, I mean, spices are still being grown. Yeah, gold there. spices. That's interesting, but I let that pass. <laughs> Minerals like gold, spices like cardamom. How about that? I should be very specific from now on in. There are exactly 612 kilometres of the Arabian coastline in Kerala. Really? So, yeah. So while Goa was always the big, you know, the big beach resort. The oh, Portuguese Goa, isn't it? Exactly. And yeah. Kerala had, had the Portuguese as well there, Kerala. But it also had everyone else. If you have all of this wealth, you know, basically all the powers have been attracted there from the Romans to clearly the Moors. The British were there for a while. The Portuguese, the Dutch had influence there. Um, why we're going there now is because it's the exact opposite. If you think of the chaos of northern India, Kerala is south. So it has that same sort of calmness, that even New Orleans. And when you think of New Orleans bayous and, and sort of waterways, this is the same. This is a water-swamped area of canals and lagoons really? and rivers. Yeah, and they still, a lot of their time is spent on, well, tour, a lot of tourists' time is spent on houseboats. So as I said, this was a low-lying area, flooding, okay? So rice paddies was always, rice was always grown there and is still grown there. It's one of the main crops, that and tea. And so these, how did they get the rice to markets, you know, up to Kochi, up to the capital, on these massive rice barges called ketavulums. And they would, there was routes through the lagoons, through the canals, 800 kilometres from the rice paddy areas from the south up to, to, or to, to, to Kochi, down to Kochi, um, now there's roads, okay? So the rice is, is transported by roads. Now these boats have been converted into tourist houseboats. So you know, there was a big thing up in the north of India. Um, you always took a houseboat in in, um, in, uh, in the foothills of the Himalayas, Srinagar and Kashmir. Uh, you know, that became diff- that became politically difficult. So now people are turning to Kerala. It's the same thing. You, 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 there will be, you know, in a posh houseboat, it'll be bamboo-framed, teak-walled house-frame with your own chef on there and you wake up with the golden orb of the sun lighting. Oh, no, it's beautiful. And fishermen still, like, 
diving off little wooden canoes on either side of you for mussels and women washing their laundry. It's highly atmospheric, highly beautiful. That's wow. inland. And then on the coast is a, these 600 kilometres of Arabian coastline with some beautiful golden beaches. Why do you say Arabia? It's not the Pacific there, no? It's just, it's just the Arabian Sea, no. Oh, the uh, Arabian Sea, mm-hmm. right, okay. My geography obviously is letting me down. Uh, what I want to do is I want to run through the main areas. There is, first of all, South Kerala is where most people go, I suppose, there's some lovely beaches, then the Central Strip, and then we need to look at the Eastern Strip along the Western Ghat Mountains, these lush tea plantation forested mountains, which have amazing wildlife, which are the last, one of the, one of the few places where you, you might see tigers and you'll definitely see elephants um, in India. Uh, yeah, India, of course, the last great home of the tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd better find out how to get there because it'd be a bit tricky from Dublin, wouldn't it? it well, it, all of these things have changed, as we know, entirely since the arrival of um, Etihad and Emirates, you know, because now we're going by, basically we're going by the, the Far East where, we, you know, all these things oh, work right. a lot. So you'd it. go to Dubai with Etihad or Emirates exactly, and then you'd go from Dubai down. Yeah, so now it's saving your flight. You used to on these trips always go to London and then to have to take a London flight maybe to Delhi and then down to Kochi. Yeah. Now, you well, you, with Jet Airlines, which won't be quite as comfortable, Dublin to Kochi, you can get there for 550 euros. With Etihad, it'll cost 609 euros. And Emirates to go there, presumably. Yeah, I mean, their, their, their routes are, you know... The, Similar. Basically, you can get around yeah. the world on that on, the, on that um, structure now. I, I'm an Emirates person rather than okay. an Etihad Why? person. Right. You pref- okay, you something about the that hub airport you prefer? No, I just like Emirates. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, the quality of both is, is, is excellent. Um, when to go now is the ideal time. Like, you do not want to go in our summertime. In June and October is monsoon. You'll just be flooded out. The humidity will be appalling. But between now and sort of March, it's like 30 degrees. So it's as cool as it's going to get down there. And particularly in the next few months, in now February, March and April, there's amazing festivals happening in Kochi, in Kotayam, in Kolam, featuring, like, there's a real rich culture. These are Hindu festivals. Yeah, these are, they're actually mixed, some of them are a mix of Moorish, Hindu and Christian. There are still third century Christians living in this area who arrived in the third century and still there. But they're mainly Hindu festivals based Katakali dancing, which is the traditional dancing, a bit like the sort of the, the Japanese. The idea where they use the very expressive sort of fingers and hands and all that. Yeah, that so it's like, it's like Kabuki Japanese. It's very ornate clothes, highly sort of over the top makeup and beautiful graceful hand movements with some really serene spiritual music. They're beautiful. There's also, they have these dem- demonstrations of a type of martial art that was the beginning, there was the roots of Kung Fu and Karate. It's all about like getting at the uh, the pressure points. It's called Kali Repayat. What what about um, food out here? I mean, when I, the nearest I got to it was Mauritius, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I found like after a week of curry every day, mm-hmm. I kind of had it. Yeah, but they're milder. Like so, you know, it, it all the, every part of India depends. The beauty about southern India is it's more focused on vegetarian food than than far up and than than higher up. And because it's a hot climate, they don't. They, I mean, you can you can choose your level. Of, of course, you can get very hot food, but often it's this lovely mix. All of those spices are becoming straight fresh. Whether it's the cumin, the cumin, the ginger, the turmeric, the cloves, they're from a fields. You know, a few. Uh, a few miles away or a few hundred miles away. So it's all extremely fresh. The speciality clearly is fish. I mean, they're surrounded by this these great waters. There's this fish molly, which is just basically spicy yellow curry, which can either be mild or not. And then this avial, which is 
basically whatever root vegetables are around at the time in a sort of coconut milk, in the aromatic coconut milk. So it's it's very healthy. Um, there is beef. There's a lovely fiery potu, uh, which is sort of a fried beef dish. But it's it's good healthy food, um, and it's you know. It's and they, they, I mean, you know, I know, like you want to go there and you want to be on a houseboat or in a tent mm-hmm. or in a cave or something. But what about fellas like me, like who want a hotel and a bedroom and? Yeah, well, All I'm surprised kind of you haven't been... Like, the the one place is the place up in the mountains, this Munar. So when we were talking again about sort of tea plantations and hill plantations, these are places that were originally founded by the British to escape the monsoons. They're higher up. This is... Munar is sort of in the in the Western Ghats, in this mountain area. Um, because they're higher up, the, uh, the elite used to escape the monsoons there. And then the British realised that the angles, the elevation and the climate, 45 degree elevation, was perfect for tea. Uh, production. So now you'll just see the lower areas of the Western Ghats are just clad in this lush lime clouds of tea plantations. They produce 10% of India's tea. Um, you know, whereas normally we think of um, we think of um, Darjeeling and other areas as tea production. But actually this southern place produces really fine tea. Now, I'm sorry for Mauritius because we're talking about Kerala, but yeah. it's my only comparable yes. experience. I stayed in a fabulous hotel in Mauritius and it was an old tea plantation. That's exactly. And that's why people got really excited when we were talking about Darjeeling in this programme because we went into the place, the old plantations. The plantations, the plantation houses that are still working as tea plantations but the original 18th century house is now being converted to allow accommodation. This is the exact same thing in Munar and all along this area. Oh really? Gats, yeah. So you have similar type of hotel? Yeah, so Dewdrops is a beautiful like 19th century estate turned guest house. Another one is Windermere Estate which is like an intimate country estate. Only a few rooms uh, about 85 euros a night and they're still producing both coffee and cardamom But the, the thing about these places because you mentioned it earlier and mm-hmm. I just want to confirm when you then go up as the, you, you go up in the elevation mm-hmm. the the temperature and climate is so much more comfortable for Europeans. Exactly, yeah. And this is considered that area of these Western Ghats, these mountains that were entirely clad with jungle until the British realised they could produce tea. Then they get all of these... um, uh, tribesmen up from Sri Lanka, these Tamils up from Sri Lanka, destroy the forest and plant tea. Uh, that's been we can't that's cry over spill. We can't cry over spill. Build. Well, they 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 impressive. They build trains up there. They build route works up there, and they planted the whole thing in tea. It's still producing tea. The great thing about the tea they're producing, it's most of it is owned by worker shareholders. So the main company has twelve thousand women who both both work slave in the fields, but they also own the company. Wow. So it's one of the few okay. examples of a cooperative. All right, but, but 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 I mean, you, funny enough, you've mentioned the word British yeah. a, a ton of times, mm-hmm. every second sentence, because uh, India really everything about India is British because it, it was all part of the British Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the British gave them language, gave them education. The British gave them everything in a way. Trains, they were all the British thing. But tea, mm-hmm. they're like I, I read a history of tea in India, mm-hmm. and they were all the plantation managers were all British. That's right. And as a lot of, as we know in the army, there were mainly Irish. There were a lot of Irish people. Um, yeah, but when you get to southern India, that influence of the British, in fact, it is definitely, they introduced tea to southern India. But otherwise, it's actually the Portuguese and the Dutch you're all seeing. All right, okay. Um, but we, this is the one place which is famous for, for, for Ireland, for its Irish influence, Kerala. It's the one thing, if you ask and most Irish people in India, they just say uh, Kerala and Bibi Baskin. 
Basically, she... So, Ireland was always... Uh, the main, main link between Ireland and India was de Valero first. It was de Valero in 1920 giving this speech to, to Gandhi and to Nehru, a huge influence on Indian independence, where de Valero says in, the, he's, in this lecture, the Friends of Freedom in 1920, okay? And he goes, we of Ireland and you of India must each of us endeavour to rid ourselves of the vampire that is fattening on our blood. And we must never allow ourselves to forget what weapon by which George Washington rid his country of the same vampire. With that sentence, he had a severe, had a big role in inciting independence in India. So it was all, that was our link. I mean, before that, in fact, the Irish language, you know, is an Indo-European language. So their word Raja for king and our word Ri is the same, basically, root. But since, 19, since the 1990s, the early 2000s, it's been Bibi Baskin. Bibi leaves RTE, okay, goes over to Britain for about five years, starts a new job. Living down in Cork now. That, well, that was the weird thing, yeah. So she, anyway, so then she and goes And follows on, me on Twitter. Well, so she was interested in um, Ayurvedic traditional, you know, the, the traditional healthcare of India, the traditional health mass, massages and ointments and, and uh, sort of um, smell-based creams. Goes to India, falls in love with the place and realises she wants to set up an, a, 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 an Ayurvedic centre and gets this building, a beautiful mansion from 1863 or 1865 called Rahim Residency. Now, it is now, you know, one of the probably the most famous guest houses, elite guest houses in Kerala. There's only 10 rooms in it. Basically, she took this shambles of a mansion, did it up room by room, each one individually, but totally in keeping with the 19th century style of the place. And so every sort of, you know, well, affluent Irish couple who ever decided they'd go to India, they stopped in to Bibi. It was, it was sort of, it was a ridiculous concept. But she did a huge amount by relinking our, 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 our island with their continent once again. Now, as you say, she's back in Cork. Raheem residence is still thriving, though. You still stay there about 83 euros a night. And there's the, there's the whole Ayurvedic treatment centre, as well as like a great restaurant on top of the, the beautiful the, building. The, just in terms of cost, of course, when you start going to... Uh, countries like India, mm-hmm. it's very cheap. One like for if you get out of the five star hotel that you're staying in, yeah, yeah, because the five star hotel charges a still charges an arm and leg by. Well, if I'm saying like that Windermere estate, which is up in the plantations in the Western Ghats in Munar, is eighty five euros a night. Like that's total luxury. Bibi's place, whether I couldn't find out what she, as you say, she's back in Cork. You hear her on the radio now. I couldn't has she left the, the Rahim residence? She's alone? she's presenting, I think, at the seven o'clock show on TV three this Anyway, week. but this program isn't about her. But she but she, but she deserves a mention. Because yeah. she she did do a lot to, to link, you know, the amount of middle class couples I think who said, Oh, I was in India and I say, Where were you in Rahim residence? Yeah. But anyway, so her place is eighty three euros a night for luxury. That's slightly in monsoon. It might be like near a oh, hundred. But still cheap. But I can but you can stay for with all your meals included for three euros fifty if you want in an ashram you know you know the you know ama three euros fifty yeah that would suit you that would, that's where I'd be like do you know ama you know the hugging monk the hugging nun this woman um who goes around the world and she has these long queues in these conference halls and she hugs everyone who comes up to her 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 mission or her retreat or ashram is at the Mata Amrita Nadamai mission. So that's what she's called Amma for short. And she's basically this international success uh, sort of phenomenon. Her hugging, her darshan, which is spiritual, which means darshan is a word, uh, it means spiritual connection with a wise being. And when, you, when you're hugged in her arms, basically it's an epiphany. It's a, it's a feeling right. of total belovedness. I, this happened to me when you hugged me. I had a similar <laughs> experience. Yeah. So you can stay in her ashram. Um, and it's sort of 50. 
Yeah, or yeah, if you want a single room, which you'd be, you'd seven euros a night, and that's all your vegetarian <laughs> meals included. But it's to be in an ashram, any ashram, it's such an it's such an experience. You know, an ashram is a spiritual center, just like a monastic settlement, like we would have had in Mellifont or something. But they're still alive in India, and the 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 Amas one has three thousand people there: monks, nuns, students, family, both Indian and foreign. She'll often, which she won't be there. You know, often she's just traveling the world, giving people hugs. But if she is, she is there around her birthday and other times giving talks. It's a, it's a really Pr- profound insight into India. But I mean, the, the thing is, Melifont, you're talking about 1300. I mean, Mellory was going strong. Yeah. Uh, the 50s, the 70s? Yeah. 80s. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and you'd go to Mallory, yeah. and you'd you'd be so you'd be brought into this mm-hmm. whole, uh, like it was called a retreat or something. But yeah. it was pretty Mallory special. Mallory still actually has a retreat house, and yeah. so did Glenstall. Is still yeah. popular. So these are things that were always a part of people. We needed to go and find spiritual calm and spiritual yeah. entrance, and that they're still doing it. But so I need to talk about the beaches. So uh, actually, Bibi's place is on this uh, Lapari, or it used to be. It used to be called Lapari. Now it's called Alapuza. You know, the way all day they went back to their original names. They they took away the British names. Um, As phenomenal beaches. All of them are, they will be on most of the great guest houses and the restaurants will be on top of a cliff overlooking the sea. And then you climb down to these gorgeous beaches. But nearby is Kovalam, which used to be just a quiet fishing village surrounded by sort of coconut um, palms. Um, coconut trees until this Maharani which is a princess realised it was beautiful to escape the monsoon she built a palace overlooking the beach there and sort of everyone else followed her so now there are these paths running through the palm groves and, and the coconut trees to create to gorgeous quiet guest houses and beach cottages and restaurants that one can stay in a lot a lot will be sort of organic and alternative and vegetarian, particularly a little bit away from Kovalam. So the main beach near Kovalam is sort of Hawa Beach, which is really built up. It's, it's built up in Indian terms. So there'll be ice cream rickshaws, you know, r- rickshaw drivers selling ice cream and there'll be girls in, in salwar kameez giggling as they as they trip in the water. But if you want the sort of more backpacker experience, go a bit further on to Varkala. Varkala. And right at the northern tip of it is Black Beach, which is like... It's it's just a little haven and it's affordable. You can stay in Bohemian Masala, which is like a backpacker colony, teetering on the edge of a cliff. Vegetarian restaurant, your own little quiet cottage in a tropical garden for like You know, one you stayed out there for two years. It was a great place. It's, um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and you don't have the madness. I'm not talking in any way here about the chaos in the melee of markets, which normally you do in India. This is all about very chilled. Now, um, before you go, because yes. you're going to be missing for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I want to tell everybody why you're going to be missing for a few weeks. Why are you going to be missing for a few weeks? For my sins, I'm going to run for the Green Party in the constituency of Longford, Westmeath. Mainly because, you know, like for years we've been talking the potential of our country in terms of tourism, in terms of energy, in terms of communities coming together and doing things. And I thought if I get this chance over the over four weeks to talk about these ideas and to try and bring people together in Longford Westmead, I should try it. Okay. Okay. I'm also from next week on I'm going to be starting to give a travel a, a course in travel writing in the uh, Irish Writers' Centre for about six weeks where's the Irish Writers' Centre? it's just off uh, it's right next to the Hugh Lane Gallery so and how do we join? Parnell Square you, you go online go to the Irish Writers' Centre if you want to sign up for six weeks of learning how to write uh, about travel about travel exactly Yeah. And the beauty it's like writing anything but you get to think about beautiful locations and cultures and try to find a way of expressing them for other people alright so there will be a rash of Moncom again 
pounds hitting the airwaves in a few years as a result of this course uh, at the so. Irish Writers Centre six weeks ago, the Irish Writers Centre online. Uh, it, then, of course, um, Moncon could well be tarnished uh, in the next government. If you want to know my policies, check out moncon.com for all those sort of green... Moncon.com? Yeah. M-A-N-C-H-A-N. That's right. Us creating all our own in- energy independently, our own food and We fruit. don't have to put a fada in there, right? You do not. No, you'll get that'll do fine. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you've you've got your fleet of buses that are going to go <laughs> around Longford Resmead. <laughs> Arise and follow Moncon. Exactly. Yeah. All the way to Kerala. God knows when he comes back. Well, but of course he won't be back if he's if he's tarnished our minister for uh, tourism <laughs> or whatever. All right. Best of luck in the canvas uh, Moncon thank you and best of luck at the Irish Writers Centre with the uh, uh, how to become a travel writer and uh, we'll but we'll have something here every Tuesday at this time in travel